Good morning. We're here at Inacall today. Yeah. We're speaking with Chris Sturgis. <laughs> Excellent. Chris Sturgis, good to see you. Hi, nice to see you guys yeah. again. Some of our listeners remember that Chris was one of our first guests on the podcast. Way back when. Absolutely. Way back when. <laughs> Absolutely. Four seasons ago. Yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, so we're super excited to have her here with us at Inacall. So, um, Chris, why don't you take a minute and kind of explain to people who you are, what you do. Great. Yeah. Well, uh, I do a lot of things, but I'm most known for being the co-founder, along with Susan Patrick, of Competency Works. Yes. And it's been a project of Ina Cole, and we've focused very deeply on learning from people in the districts and schools about how they are thinking about competency-based education and how they're implementing it and trying to grab those lessons and get them out as fast as we can. However, I'm going to be leaving Competency Works in December. I'm a little sad about it, but I'm a little bit excited about the future. Um, I'll be launching Learning Edge, and it will continue to be learning from the field, but we really want to be able to focus much more on what newbies need so they get a deeper understanding of what competency education is. Really, let's not even use these hyphenated words anymore. I'm so tired of the hyphenated words. (laughs) (laughs) Like personalized... Uh, learner-centered, proficiency-based education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I got to tell you, the consultants and the organizations and the foundations that keep creating the these new concepts. I'm off. I'm totally off point. What you asked me, but anyway, let's go for this. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Those hyphens and all these like distinctives and nuanced names keep us always focusing on the what and trying to understand what they all mean. Mm. A co- that are differentiated from each other, rather than really understanding what kids need, what schools need to be able to do it. And if we can't figure out a way of talking about this in a way that's effective and engaging and means something to teachers and parents and kids, we're just lost as a field. We need to focus on the how and stop worrying as much about the what. Mm. So going back to Learning Edge, one of the things I want to do is just help leaders in schools understand and build a vision that's really rooted in the science of learning, rooted in the sense of how can we actually meet kids where they are, and how do we actually make sure that kids are progressing. Then there's this other edge of the field, which are folks dealing with very complicated issues, and we need to be able to bring them together in very small convenings Mm. to allow them to talk to each other and sketch out the options right. and understand the pros and cons and really probably deconstruct a little bit. I mean, I really think we need to take a step back. So, so I don't know how it's all going to work, but yeah. as always, we just make it work. You do. You, you just kind of believe and it's your passion. It's what you believe in, so it will work. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. I think it's really the, the people starting out is it's so important to support them. It's, I feel like what I've seen in schools is that it's really easy to get lost and frustrated right away and to kind of revert, right? Or if, if something doesn't happen well, then you've lost you know, the buy-in of the, the uh, community members and the stakeholders, and then it becomes even harder to make change. So sure. I, think that's, I think that's awesome. And a big piece of it really is this call for, you know, whatever you want to do, a paradigm shift, but the shift in the mindsets and the values Mm. is really much more difficult than we think it is. One, you can't make anybody do it, right? You can't can't, uh, mandate these belief systems. You have to engage, right? And then the second is what we know about 
uh, the science of learning tells us, when you have these ideas that get really rooted in your thinking, they're really rooted in your thinking. I found the other day that the concept of students as empty vessel was actually kind of floating through my mind uh -huh. and it was in influencing how I was interpreting some information. I had no idea, but it was there. And really getting, making it explicit and making it discussable for folks and having communities be able to help each other go, oh, wait a minute, mm. you've got kind of a, you know, you kind of think of kids as smart and not so smart in the way you're thinking about that. So mm. what can we do to challenge that? We've got to get better at that. I don't have the answers on it. Uh -huh. Well, you know, it'll be discoverable, I think. Right. Yeah, so one of the things that, that I that I talk with other districts about is, is just that, is, is trying to change people's minds not that schooling should be one way or the other, but what do we want out of our schools, in our communities? And, and I think the struggles that a lot of places have is they don't know how to have those discussions with their communities, necessary. So I like, I like the idea of you putting people together in order to have those discussions. And where do, where do you think that, that one of the first places that communities could could go to, to talk about this? What 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 was one of like some of the first questions that, that you would ask? Well, as you know, I tend to not be the person who has the answers. I go talk to a whole bunch of people exactly. and find out what they're doing and try to make some sense of it and give people options. So I, it, this is kind of off the top of my head on this, but mm -hmm. I do think the research on the science of learning, both the cognitive and the psychological part, right? So. There are some folks who want to just emphasize the cognitive, and that's a mistake, and will take us down the wrong path immediately. But when you put it together, and you start to really look what that science of learning says, I think it is agitating for folks, right? Because we all grew up in these schools um, where extrinsic motivation, compliance, we're all expectations, right. and now we want to have inclusiveness and belonging because kids need to feel safe. Compliant, you don't feel safe in a compliance-oriented, you just do what people say, right? Um, safe to take risks is a whole different way of thinking. So I think we want to look at that and start to think what those implications are. The other is, and I think this is for the high-level folks in the field, but I also, I have a, this is just a gut instinct, but I think learning to ask questions and listening to each other's questions and um, slowly trying to answer them versus, you know, rattling them off, answers off. Mm -hmm. um, I think listening to people's questions and engaging with them around that is really important. So I think the right mm -hmm. question project and really getting much smarter at that. And I've been noticing how I still, even after all the questions I ask for all the schools I've visited, I still ask a lot of yes/no questions. Uh. And versus asking questions that would uh, draw out people's reasoning more, mm -hmm. uh, draw out their insights more, draw out their values more. Um, so I think even, I think all of us can get better at that. And I think those, will, those two things I think will help. But really what we've learned from the districts who have done this work is bringing folks together describing what you want for um, students in the community right. in a broad sense, so it's not just academics, but we're really talking about what we want for young adults upon their transition to adulthood um, is a really important step. Creating the graduate profile is a really important step, but I think we stop there and that's the problem. I think the next thing is you take that graduate profile and then you start to say, well, what are the implications if we wanted everybody to have lifelong learning skills? Right. Well, the implications are that our teachers are going to actually have to 
know a lot about the building blocks for learning as defined by Turnaround for Children, how to coach kids in it, how to coach kids in metacognitive development. Our elementary school teachers know how to do that. Uh huh. I don't think our high school teachers have really had those experiences. Right. So, as we all say, for the kids to learn, the adults are going to have to learn. Yeah. Yep. But I think thinking through deeply the implications from the graduate profile to the school design and to what adults need in the system and then how they have to be supported is a really big, important step. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that I worry about sometimes when you talked about uh, focusing on the cognitive part, right, and bringing like brain science in, and that's if you start with that in your community, you're, you're going to talk over people's heads and, and not... They're, they're not going to understand it as much unless you bring in some of the other things also. And I worry about that because I don't think as educators or as administrators, we, we don't really have a background in that as, as much. So I, I, I feel that we're struggling how to talk with our communities when we talk about the, all the, the research behind it, but not in a, in a more social way, right? So our communities understand that this is what we're going for. And we yep. kind of stop with this is what the science says, so this is what we're going to do, and not really explaining it. Yeah, so I think there's a couple things about that. One, a bit of a, like a, a, bit of a fixed mindset, right? Like, oh, people yeah. aren't going to understand. So the, really the challenge is, is how do we make things understandable? Yeah. So that's a challenge for us. So let's just kind of own that. But let's say it is hard. So first of all, this, I, I, I was talking to some people, and they're like, science have learned. And people just don't trust research, right? We're in this... This, yep. this fake news thing like people don't trust research right. so I think there have to be some life ex some hands-on experiences that may need to be um, developed so that people are actually engaging with yes. that um, don't have the answers on that but I do think that that might help I also think that some of I mean science of lear learning or the research on mind and brain you know especially brain research sounds so technical Right. It's like, well, you know, and you think about all the pictures, and I can't remember it. I can't yeah. remember the parts of the right. brain. <laughs> Don't <laughs> anybody quiz me on that. Um, but I do think it's been, there's so much understanding and there's so much agreement on some of the research on how kids, let's just talk about it. What do we know about how kids learn? Don't call it brain research. Sure. How do kids learn? What do we know about it? When you look at that, it is psychological and, and social and related to how the brain works. And it's been um, streamlined and made easier and more accessible. So OECD was the first who came out with these 10 cornerstones of learning. And it was pretty accessible. We took that with a participatory process, a competency works with, I don't know, 30 or 50 different people online at the same time, and reworked a little bit um, to reflect a little bit more deeply the way we're thinking about what's important and also to have a slightly stronger um, focus around kind of equity and making sure that the language was powerful in that way. Um, Eric Tashalas, I'm going to do a shout out to students at the center, man. He is just people and I would go to gurus on this stuff um, and and if people haven't read the piece on um, student agency that they've put out and voice and choice and agency it's like it's just one of the best but uh, 
So I think it's getting more accessible. I think we can talk about it in accessible ways. I think we have to do hands-on experiences. I think one of the hardest things is extrinsic motivation. Yep. People think that we just have to use um, the carrots and the sticks a lot more versus how that developed intrinsic motivation. But I think people can see their children mm -hmm. do something and all of a sudden get turned on to learning and realize, oh, it's so much better when the kids are putting an effort because they believe in it. I mean, that's what, when we really talk about motivation and engagement, what we're really talking about is getting kids to put in their best effort, right, in yeah. their zone of proximal development with enough support so that they can be successful, and then they're trying hard. But if it's compliance, you can't make a kid, the kid's going to fill out the charge, do right. the math problem, but they're not really trying. You have to activate the brain. You have to activate the brain. Well, it's very hard to do through compliance mechanisms. Yes. So what would you say, we ask this of every single person we interview, and you you know this, you, you were the first to answer it. So what would you say is one of the biggest do-dos when it comes to uh, launching a personalized learning school or going down that road? For the newbies, what, what's the biggest? Take the time to understand the big picture. Mm -hmm. So personalized slash competency-based, right? So we're still in the hyphenated world, add in all these descriptors. But let's just call it modern pedagogy, or, let, or let's talk about it as modern education, or yeah. let's talk, whatever. So I'm, I'll just use modern education sure. right now. And it's not one thing. It's not just equity. Equity is so important, and it's a big part of it. Our traditional system cannot get all kids to be successful because it's ranking and sorting and passing kids on. No matter what you do, how effective, you're passing kids on at the end. So it's just, it's, it's designed for failure. So the equity agenda on this, call it the success agenda, right? We just want all kids to be successful from wherever they started. So that's a big piece of it. But this, there's this other piece. Let me just stay with that one. Once you commit to this idea that all kids can be successful, and I am not talking about some idea that all kids are at the same level. Right. So let's just get that out. Like there's a bunch of people out there like, oh, it's communism and everybody's gonna be the same. There is not, that is not going on <laughs> in our school system. I'm not afraid of the communists right now, okay? We might be afraid of the Russians, but we are not afraid of communism. <laughs> um, so, so once you make that commitment, then the personalization has again to do with how do you get kids to put forth their best effort, agency, motivation, and engagement, activating those brains, activating those minds and hearts. And then we have to meet kids where they are in some way, and there's different ways of doing that. Um, there's not one way of doing it, and we have to be vigilant that we don't go back into tracking, but maintain a really strong focus on growth. But that's where the personalization becomes important. Um, again, being really clear, I'm not talking about personalization that's only based on technology. I'm talking about personalization that totally engages yes. and motivates the child. Yes. And let me also be clear because there was something said this morning by Susan that someone said, it's all personalization individual. And in fact, that's not the case. It's paying attention to the individual, but the way the teachers can construct the learning experiences can be very collaborative. And in fact, yes. there's research out from AIR right now that it's actually... Um, a great way yes. of engaging and personalizing. So, not individual, different instructional strategies. So understand the big picture and really be clear yeah. about 
what's going to work for your community. I'm going to be long-winded. It's so important. Equity is one part of it. (laughs) Yes. Second part of it is deeper learning, rigorous, deeper learning, transferable skills. We are upping the expectation, so that's Mm -hmm. the second part. And then the third, you can call it responsibility, you can call it accountability, you can call it mutual accountability, but it is embedding and having schools take responsibility for making sure that their kids are learning. And in that place, we then become the teachers and the educators become learners. It's the continuous improvement learning organization. So think of it as three big things. Equity, deeper learning, and taking responsibility and becoming learners. That was long-winded, but I summed it up. But it was beautiful. That was was perfect. That was really good. (laughs) Thank you very much.